Let's pray. God, how grateful we are that you are home, that you make your home with us and that we can make our home with you. That God, the promise of home is just not a promise of a future home, but a home now in the present as we learn to abide with you, to walk with you, to stay near to you. And God, this morning we pray for so many in our community and our friends and in this world that are on a journey seeking home. And so many of us know, God, that sometimes our searches lead us to places we think are home, but they turn out not to be that because you are our true home, our true dwelling place. And for God, those that are on the search and on the journey, we pray for them to see that you are there and near to them, that you would reveal in any way that you can and that we can be a part of, that you are near and a safe place to abide. God, we pray this morning for those that are hurting and grieving that you will comfort, that your people will come around and be your presence, your hands, your feet, your heart expressions of your tenderness and care and compassion. For communities around the world dealing with war and strife and endless siege, we pray God for peace. We pray God for your kingdom to reign there. We pray for all to humble themselves before you and to seek you as leader. God, we pray for wisdom among those who govern our lands and who lead us. We pray for humility. We pray for opened hearts and ears to listen to one another. God, we pray for your kingdom to come and to be a part of that. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here today to proclaim your word, to read scripture, and have your spirit breathe anew in us a fresh word. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, in 2019, I went to Yellowstone National Park with some friends, and I was really excited to go. I'd never been before. I'd seen a lot of beautiful pictures, and I was eager to see this landscape, uh, this beautiful region of our country, and to spend a a few days hiking some of the trails on this 2.2 million acres of land set aside for this park. And it was gorgeous there. We saw all kinds of things. We saw these beautiful geysers and hot springs. Uh, We saw breathtaking views. We even saw Old Faithful herself. But mostly, uh, before I I went, I I did a little research because I wanted it to be safe and I wanted to be fun while I explored, but I mostly went to just enjoy, to have fun with friends because I knew in that group of friends there were a few type A planning personalities and they would take care of all the details, and for once I could just go along for the ride. Well, on our last full day there, we did one final hike uh, on the afternoon, and uh, after a pretty decent ascent up this hill, the, the place opened up into this beautiful field. And I remember pausing and taking this photo here and thinking, ah, I'd love to build a tiny little house right by this water and call it home. I mean, can you imagine waking up to that view every morning? Well, after we paused and took all that in, we, we hiked to the right of that water back towards the horizon on that photo, and pretty soon we lost the trail. 
It wasn't anywhere to be seen, and so we weren't exactly sure what to do. And I had zero clues and really zero concerns because I was just along for the ride. And I knew we weren't that far off track. We could always retrace our steps and get back. Well, among us, without cell phone reception and those kinds of things, we were relying on our sense of direction and those who had done some research beforehand on what we should do. And as we talked about it, there were finally a couple of different opinions about where we should go. And I hadn't really said much, and one of them asked me, like, what do you think, Melissa? And I pointed to one guy in our group, and I said, I trust him. Wherever he says we should go, I'm going to go that direction. And so what happened is I know this guy really well, and I know that he is an avid researcher. And I know that he not only wants, but he needs to have clarity and understanding and to be someone who knows what's going on. He doesn't like to be incompetent. And so I knew there was no way he headed out on this hike that day without having researched thoroughly that trail. And so I said, if he says this is the way, I think this is the way. Well, there's a little more discussion, and then finally we decided to follow his lead. And after a little while, we made it to the next trailhead. And this young guy had enough class not to say, I told you so, out loud. But I guarantee you, he was thinking it inside his head. Now, I didn't have a map or GPS. And if I had had a compass, I couldn't have used it to find my way on that route. But I had a person a person that I trusted, a person that I knew would know the way. All I had to do was follow him, and he would show us the place to go. Because you see, the, the way was his domain. It was his responsibility. My domain and responsibility was to trust, to keep my eyes on him, to follow him, to not let my heart be troubled, and to enjoy the beauty around me as we walked that trail. But that was just a hike in the woods, friends. And I could see him right in front of me. If this was a story about my journey and walk and hike of life with Jesus, it would sound a little bit different. Jesus, are, are you sure this is the right direction? Jesus, I'm pretty sure we should have taken a left back there. Everyone else went left. Jesus, this is the craziest, most uphill, rocky climb ever. Is this really the way that we have to go? Lord, I think if we just turn around and go back now, I mean, I know it wasn't that awesome, but I know what to expect, and I don't know what's coming up, and I would rather just go back. Jesus, could we just sit? I need to catch my breath. Let's sit. And while we're here, could you just tell me the rest of the trail? Like, how many more miles do we have to go? What's the terrain? What's the elevation? Is there any unfriendly wildlife? Did you pack the bear spray or was I supposed to do that, Jesus? That would be more accurate. You see, when it comes to following Jesus, I have a thousand questions, just like the disciples and just like us, right? Author Lynn Sweet, he, when he describes the disciples, he calls them the disciples. The scripture likes to point out quite a bit that sometimes they just didn't understand what Jesus was saying, and I can get that. And that's true for our text today. But before we get into it, let's talk a little bit about context of our scripture this morning. 
Our text here in the Gospel of John is part of what's known as the last discourse, the final discourse of Jesus. And the setting is on the Thursday before before he dies on that Friday in the upper room with his disciples where they're gathered together, that Monday, Thursday setting. And Jesus knew that that night he was going to be handed over to death. And that was a, what was awaiting the disciples was a painful separation, a distancing, a confusion over what was happening next. And he wanted to prepare them for that, even while he was also facing his own challenges of what was ahead. That's love, right? To want to comfort them, to instruct them, to prepare them for what's next, even while he's grieved about what is next for him. So when they're gathered there in that room, Jesus washes their feet, and they share that final meal together. Jesus says that one of them is going to betray them, and then he says, Judas, go do what you must do. He says to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny even knowing me before this is all said and done. And oh, yeah, I'm leaving you, and you can't go where I'm going. I mean, no wonder the 11 had troubled hearts. They were looking side-eyed at one another, wondering, well, who can we trust? If this one's denying and this one's betraying, maybe we didn't know everyone like we thought we did. And where is Jesus going, and why can't we go with him? I imagine for them it kind of felt like the wheels on the bus were coming off, that everything was falling down around them and they were unsure of what was going to happen. So no wonder they were troubled and full of questions during this time and wondering what was going to happen. When they had these questions, uh, it makes me think of Reverend Shannon Michael Pater who wrote this, when their hopeful visions for a just and peaceful messianic kingdom melt in the crucible of the crucifixion, the hearts of the disciples will be diseased and their anxiety will be binding, blinding. Their hearts will be diseased and anxiety will blind them in that moment. We can relate to that. We understand those feelings when what we expected or thought were going to happen don't happen the way we thought. Anxiety Disease come in. After three years of teachings and miracles and signs and wonders, this was not how it was supposed to end. So what next? Now what? So no wonder Jesus' next words to them are words of comfort and assurance. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, but also believe in me, he says, because he knows it's hard to dwell in the unknowns. We sit with the unknowns thinking tomorrow will be clearer, only to face more unknowns and more uncertainty and more questions the next day. And the disciples were living in the state of unknowing too, even when physically present with Jesus. They were aware that things were about to change. And while he's still with them, before his hour comes, when darkness is settling into their lives, Jesus shares with them what is going to be given to them, what has already been given to them, to help them deal with what's next. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places, Jesus says. The key really to this passage when it talks about dwelling places is a noun version of abiding. Think abode, a place, a residence. 
in my father's place and residence, there's much space for you. When John's talking about it, he's describing throughout the gospel a relationship, not so much architecture. I don't know that John really pictured a mansion, but rather that the expansive presence of God is where we will dwell. Jesus tells his friends that there's plenty of room in the presence of God, not just in the future, but also in the present, to dwell and abide with him now. You see, Jesus abiding with God didn't start when he died. It was a description of his entire life with God. And this is true for us too. It's not about where we live so much after this time is finished, but also where we abide now with God. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You have a place. You have a presence, the very bosom or heart or dwelling of God, and it is available for you to abide and dwell in all the days of your life. And if you dwell in the wide open embrace and presence of God, your hearts will not be troubled. Jesus goes on to say, in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Uh, Jesus, yes, Thomas, I have a question. Yes, Thomas. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Now, if we're honest, any one of us might ask that question of him in that moment. Maybe the other 10 were thinking it as well. Uh, Jesus, we need a map. We need some coordinates on where you're going. I mean, do we take I-42 up to Galilee? Are we heading south back to Bethany? Do you need a boat to go out to the Great Sea? Or do we need to get another donkey like Sunday? Lord, we just, we have a few questions and we need a little more answers. You can almost hear Thomas's voice getting a little higher and excited as he tries to find out what Jesus really means. And Jesus hears Thomas's question and ours about wanting more clarity and he responds again with words that are meant to comfort. Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know me, you will know my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Theologian Bill Holst suggested that a reason why the disciples might have been confused about Jesus' assertion is this. He had claimed to be the way, yet his path led straight to a cross. To be the truth, yet he could convince none of the religious leaders to embrace his cause to be the life, yet he would be dead in less than 24 hours. Needing more clarity still, now Philip has a question. He asks for a clearer picture. Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Whenever I hear that phrase, we will be satisfied, I think about like the old, I think it was Maury Povich who had the show of like, that's determined to be a lie. You know how often when you ask Jesus of like, oh, I will be satisfied if you just tell me that, I hear God going, and that is a lie. You will have another question and another question. Philip's like, if you'll just show us the Father, we will be satisfied. Sometimes words of comfort are not so much words of comfort in the moment because we don't understand them. I mean, has everyone, someone ever mentioned to you 
that God is near during a hard time and you've ever wondered in response, but how? How is God near right now? What does that mean? It's not that you doubt that God is near, it's that you just don't understand how God can be near. We have trouble understanding. And with troubled hearts beating faster, we plead, Lord, just give us a little bit more to go on. We just need a little more assurance, a little more about the when, where, why, how. Jesus hears Philip's question again, and he answers him and says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Peter's asking, show us the Father. In reply, Jesus says, you've been seeing him all along in me. And if my words aren't enough for you, Philip, then think about all the works that you have seen, all the things you've seen me do through the Father and all the lives changed. Think about these things. Jesus' meaning is beginning to become clearer. Guys, it's not about knowing information, about how-tos or directions or instructions. It's about knowing me, trusting me. Jesus says, stay in relationship with me, abide in me and with me, and I'll get you to the place where you belong. The kingdom of God, the reign of God, knowing God, living in relationship with God, the place I've been telling you about from the very beginning. I am the way. There is no other way apart from me is a statement of reassurance and comfort to them. Trust in God, he says. Trust also in me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, like Thomas and Philip and even Peter at the end of chapter 13, right before this, there is room in our relationship with God for questions, for honest confusion, for confession of our need for control and answers, admission of our frustration when our requests are not answered. We're invited to continue to trust and abide with Jesus even while we have these requests. In his writings, uh, German priest and author Martin Luther was asked what it meant to have a God. And he answers that God is what you hang your hat or your heart upon. God is what you hang your heart upon. Cynthia Jarvis puts it this way, the heart that is troubled is a heart not hung upon God but hung rather on all the things the world peddles to soothe a troubled heart. So perhaps the question for you and for me this morning is what are we hanging our hearts on? Is your heart hung up on what's next? Wondering with anxiety about your future or your children's future? On Friday night, I got gathered with hundreds of family and friends and sat on metal bleachers to cheer on 408 high school graduates at one of our public schools. And during that time, there were lots of questions. Family and friends wondering, what's next for these that we love? Lots of questions among them going, what's next for us after this? There was lots of cheering, but there was also lots of questions 
among the crowd. Some of you will gather for your own graduation ceremonies today with those same questions. What's next? Maybe those are some of the things that we hang our hearts upon. We're anxious over what's next for us, for our family, for our health, for our finances, for our country, for this church, whatever that might be. And these anxieties are real and we need to name them, but that's not where we hang our heart. That's not where we dwell. Is your heart hung up on things lost? and into expectations and dreams like the disciples experienced. They thought the kingdom was going to look one way and it came out completely different and they were beginning to understand that. And they were hung up on this sense of loss. Maybe it's lost opportunities or relationships, lost individuals, no matter how much we grieve and how important or trivial those things are, we need to name them, but we don't hang our hearts upon them. That's not where we dwell. And like the disciples, is our heart hung up on the unknown? And if so, you're in good company. It's okay for us to ask questions and to wish and to even uh, acquire about a little more clarity. We can bring all those feelings to God safely, but that cannot be where we hang our hearts. That cannot be where we dwell. Jesus tells the disciples in their time of deep uncertainty to hang their hearts on God, to hang their hearts on Jesus. And Jesus wants to comfort us today in the same way. There are things that we cannot know or understand, but we are given things that will help us when we don't know what to do next. Jesus invites us to abide with him and with God. Jesus is the way and will show us God. So we can feel all of our feelings, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Hang your heart upon God, whose heart is big enough for all of you. All of you and all of you. As we journey with God on this hike of life, we don't have all the details, do we? We don't have a map, we don't have GPS, we don't have a step-by-step guide. We have Jesus. Like my friend in Yellowstone, the way is Jesus' domain and responsibility. My responsibility is to follow, to learn to abide, to not let my heart be troubled, but to hang my heart on God. At the end of this farewell discourse in John, chapters 14 through 16, Jesus tells them, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus says to us, there are things that you're not going to know. You're going to have to trust me. You can't have all the details that you want, but you have me. You'll always have me. You'll have me. You'll have God. Even if I'm physically not present with you, we have prepared a place for you. God is with you. I am with you. Abide with us now and forevermore. Let's pray. God, who is our home, we give thanks for the wonderful world that you've created and that you permeated it through and through with your grace and your love and your beauty. And we give thanks for the wide embrace, God, of your love and your grace and for the space to ask questions and to name our fears and our dis-ease with life. We thank you for the stories of scriptures like these today that reflect our own stories and the way that your spirit continues to breathe through them and bring them to life for us. 
as you call us home to you. God, you've promised us that you will give us your spirit, that you'll be with us on this journey through this life, yet we confess a lot of times when we can't see you, that we can't take you in, that we have trouble trusting and understanding what you're doing in our life. And we need your spirit, God, to lift our sights to your wide horizons. God, teach us to pray with openness to your spirit that you may make yourself plain to us with what we need to know for today. Comfort troubled hearts. Grow our trust. Help us, Lord, to abide with you now as we learn to hang our hearts on you. Bring us, God, to that place where we are willing to place our lives in your keeping, to submit to your life-changing love and to move with you into the large open spaces of salvation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.